Welcome to the This Is A Man's World, She Who Dares Wins podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, and right here I discuss my experiences of being trapped in a man's world of construction for 12 years, as well as having special guests and conversations with other women who are not only surviving, but thriving in their own world of traditionally male-dominated careers. We're sharing the good, the bad, the ugly, and the downright hilarious experiences. Welcome to This Is A Man's World, She Who Dares podcast. And this week, my special guest is Rian Evans. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. No problem. So we met at the Women in Construction Summit earlier this year. And um, I met many other women there, but I remember that we had a long discussion about several different subjects. But just to introduce you to the listeners, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry? Yeah, going to it by accident, really. Uh, I started as a secondary school teacher uh, many years ago. And when I left that, I thought, well, I want to stay in education because I was really passionate about it. Um, but I had no idea what jobs were out there. Um, and I ended up working for a government body that set standards for ICT in education. And I was a capital bill program manager. So the government were funding academies and school builds and things like that. And my job was to oversee the ICT elements of of that to make sure they run smoothly. Um, And then I went to work for a private consultancy firm, kind of doing the same thing again, but then running procurements as well for ICT suppliers to get them on board for the school build projects. Um, Towards the end of that, then I, went back to the government and worked as an ICT advisor, um, again, working on sort of builds and looking after the ICT elements of, of the schools that they were then building and still are building, free schools, those kind of things. Okay. What, um, just, just to bump in there in case anyone doesn't know, what does, well, I don't know, what does ITC stand for? I- uh, it's, it's basically what the, the term that's used for IT, but in education. So it's information and communication technology. Uh, okay, right. Okay. So it's, it, it, yeah, it's what anybody in the education sector calls IT. Okay. Basically, they've just chucked another C in there to, uh, <laughs> just to confuse everybody <laughs> so they can ask questions, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and, and then I, uh, just over five years ago, started my own consultancy firm. Okay, so you work with um, construction firms, is that right? Alongside are they your kind of clients, or yeah, among that's among one of the things that we do. It's probably the majority of our work at the moment is is working on the the design side and then in construction as well. So we're part of the design team along with furniture, mechanical, electrical, architects, landscape, structural. You know, all those kind of disciplines that are needed to put a building up Uh, and then we manage the ICT elements then in the construction phase two by advising the project manager uh, what needs to be done for things like getting broadband in, getting phones sorted, um, liaising with decant and installation and that kind of stuff Uh, and the government as well because they're they're funding these these programs so that's our role. Okay so 
I mean, traditionally on this podcast, I've introduced women in trades and um, I think, have I done an engineering? Perhaps not yet. But what I'm really interested to do is speak to people like yourself who work within the industry, but, you know, are not necessarily on site all the time, but are still dealing with construction. Because I um, very short-sightedly used to think, oh, it's just us that are... um, on site that have to deal with all these issues in construction, you know, um, attitudes yeah. towards women. And then when I met you, yeah. I was like, ah, actually it's not. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> you guys have it worse. There's a whole load of other people that yeah. have to deal with these issues yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it must be a very difficult, a different world from, from teaching. I mean, I know my mom was an English teacher, so I know kids can be really hard to deal with. Um, yep. But then you kind of flip that and now uh, having to deal with contractors. And I'm guessing at lots of different levels. Um, yes. How did you find the transition? Uh, it was so nice to be out teaching, to be quite honest, that, and to be in a room where the majority of people actually listen to you. And uh, I'm really glad that you're there to give advice, that it was, it was, it was nice. Okay. It was actually just sort of nice to be, um, to be recognised as an expert and you know people wanting help and listening and taking it on board and that kind of stuff so um so yeah it was interesting and I mean I've been on a massive learning curve because everything I do now it's I've basically taught myself so there was I've had no formal training for what I do now so I just had to pick it up as I've gone along um and in certain points in that career there have been like I said, very steep learning curves. Um, but that's kind of the exciting bit of it, I think. Yeah. It's, um, it's just learning all the time. And inspiring, to be honest with you, because I think there's a lot of people out there that want to... I, mean, I just had an email this morning from a lady who... Um, I can't remember what career path she's on at the moment, but she's 41 and she wants to completely change and go into construction management. And she said, you know, am I having a midlife crisis? And I think it's just because people get worried. But, you know, you were a teacher and you made the transition. And from, I mean, I was looking through LinkedIn at your CV and your past experience. And I was just like, oh, you've done some pretty big things and have, you know, have have gone really far in what you're doing so I think yeah it's definitely inspiring and shows other people that it doesn't matter if you've already set yourself in a career change can happen you've just I guess work incredibly hard um and make it happen Uh, absolutely and I I think um one of one of the things I think when you go when you go to conferences like we were going to is just how genuine most women are Actually, there's no there's no airs and graces. Yeah. You rarely find an arrogant woman, and I think that goes a very long way. And I've met some very lovely people who've helped me up the ladder and recommended me for for things, which is which is wonderful. But at the same time, I recognise I have to do a damn good job for them to be able to do that. They wouldn't put their reputation on the line if I weren't any good at, at my job. So yeah. I think it, yeah, absolutely encourage anybody to go for a career change. It's Find out what you love doing or what you're passionate about. So mine was education. And then just go and have a look look around and, you know, do what you can. Go to conferences because that was, um, it, for me, it was amazing to learn the, just the range of jobs there are actually out there that, that women are doing. That was just phenomenal. So I would, 
Yeah, I mean, she might be having a midlife crisis, we don't know, but that doesn't matter. Just <laughs> <laughs> change your career anyway if you don't like it. I have one every yeah. week, so it doesn't matter at all now. <laughs> <laughs> When I speak to women and I say, okay, did you always want to be a plumber or an engineer or someone that goes up the ladder in management in construction? And they say, no, like as a kid, I didn't know anything about it. And it's only um, by chance or through a career change that people know about certain jobs within the industry. And that's really interesting. I think a lot of people are trying to change that at the moment. So I know people are trying to get into schools and teach girls, but there is such a wide array of jobs. I mean, the job that I did when I worked out of university straight into landfill and construction, I had had no idea that that job existed. And yet it it was perfect for me in in every way. Um, And I think that's half the problem. It's just they're not promoted. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's the, the, visibility, the visibility of women in, in these roles is is really quite poor. And I I remember when I was teaching, and my my subject was actually uh, business studies and economics. It wasn't IT, mm-hmm. but I was I had two girls in my class, and they said to me, "We didn't even know that women could do business studies <laughs> until we saw you teaching it." And I was astonished by that comment. And it's always stayed with me. And it's like, that's why visibility is so, so important, because it's like just by being there, we're role models. Yeah. And that's really, really important to to get that across to especially girls at school. So STEMETs. um, Yeah. About that, that it's not there is no man's job or woman's job. There are just jobs. Yeah. You know, they may find stuff fascinating. You know, like, I mean, you find your stuff fascinating and I find my stuff fascinating and it's just, but we're not traditionally the gender that would have been doing it, but it it doesn't matter. So, yeah, that that visibility is really key. Yeah, and that leads me nicely into, uh, yes, we didn't have a a disagreement, but... You actually, you changed my mind on something when I was chatting to you. So I was all against, in fact, a lot of women have changed my mind of things over, you know, the last um, year or so chatting to different women. But uh, I was dead against quotas and, you know, put, they're putting uh, a figure on how many women there should be in construction or how many women there should be on um, at the top of the table in boardrooms. I was like, I'm so against that. You know, if it's whoever is there for the job, should get that job, male or woman. And you kind of opened my eyes to that and said, I, yeah, but if if we're not kind of, not forcing people into jobs, but pushing it, then it's never going to happen because we need people to just be there. And nine times out of 10, they're not going to be doing a bad job or they're not going to be taking a job away from someone else because there are hundreds of men that have the jobs already. So it's not like we're going to be taking someone away from you know, we're not really wiping all the men out overnight. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that really did open my eyes. I think you and and Barbara um, were 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 saying that that was really important. Do you still stand by that? Uh, absolutely, and I, I think there's a number of things. I think the first thing to point out to anybody listening is that um, you, you're not giving a woman a job just because she's a woman. She's absolutely qualified to do the job. That's the first thing. This isn't sort of just getting any anybody off the street to, you know, go for the position because of a quota. But I think that every company at every level benefits from diversity. And it, 
they benefit because you bring a different perspective, a different view, different way of working, all sorts of different things. And I think you have to force companies to, to do that. And that, that's the quota thing. Um, because they won't do it on their own. Yeah. And, and they are actually missing out because of that. And I think if you introduce quotas, it starts what is needed, which is a seismic shift in the employment of women and other, and other groups as well. Um, and it will trickle down. And then, you know, they have to then look, as we've just said, at, at girls at school and things like that and getting them into industries, encourage them into maths and science and those subjects uh, and engineering and, and encourage them into it because they've got quotas to fill. And I think the only way to do it is to have a quota applied yeah. to actually force that change because the women are out there and they will be increasingly out there because there are more girls getting into STEM subjects. But you've just got to make them do it because it's just it's too easy to recruit someone who's like you. Yeah. And that's what's happening. And I think the current equal pay and the gender pay gap reports that have come out demonstrate that, that you've got women sitting in certain jobs at certain levels. And it's because you've got straight white men recruiting at the highest level and they are recruiting straight white men. Yeah. Um, Which, and, yeah, actually, oddly, some <laughs> who are completely incompetent yeah, and aren't capable of doing the job, but because they look like the person who's recruiting them, they get the job. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, so we go, it goes back to that role models thing, you know, having people in, having women in those positions encourages girls, you know, because we can go in and talk to girls and we can, we're seen on site, you know, and I work in schools. So we're, we're seen on site with a hard hat and a high-vis vest. Yeah. You know, and someone's going to be looking out a window going, I wonder what she's doing. Yeah. That's weird. Because this is a building site. Don't men do that. Um, and I, I, it's, I don't think it's a difficult thing to do, but clearly there are a lot of industries that are struggling to do it. And construction is definitely one of them. So I, I think you need to force people. I mean, I was at a meeting with the government department and I was saying they have a particular section of that department that has 40 people and there's one woman in that team. <laughs> and I said, I'm finding that increasingly the, the attitude of when I deal with that team is, is, is quite, there's a lot of toxic masculinity in it. And I said, that can only be because you, you sort of over time got rid of all the women in that team. Yeah. And you're now down to one. And their reaction was like, oh, yeah, every time we recruit, you know, we really hope we're going to get some women applying. And I was astonished. Mm. I was like, what do you mean hope? <laughs> you can't have, what are you doing about it? Are you looking at the roles to see if they can be changed slightly to attract more women that have those skills? If it's if you think that women aren't technical, but women are technical, um, have they got other background uh, other areas in their background that can be used within your team. What are your job adverts saying? Mm. Is there language in it that is putting women off? Um, where are you advertising? You know, why aren't you looking at an ADA's list? Why aren't you advertising there? Things like that. You know, and these things are really, really simple. Instead of just shrugging your shoulders and saying, oh, yeah, we really hope we're going to get some women in. 
the only way that they're going to be forced to do that is if they have a quota applied to them. Yeah. And they are forced to look at their job adverts and they're forced to look at the roles in their teams and stuff. I think you're right. And I think it, there's a certain amount of short sightedness within certain companies, like the smaller companies that have always just had men. And, you know, for their, from their perspective, why, why would they change? Why would they, you know, um, upset the apple cart? But the reality is, like you said, I've worked alongside a lot. I mean, I couldn't even count them on one hand. Lots and lots of men who were not capable of doing um, jobs, but get the jobs. And that's where the injustice lies. Yeah. But, but, yeah. but, but also the shortcomings, uh, the, um, yeah, uh, use my right words here. Um, the short sightedness. I have even seen that with my dad and I'll put a positive spin on this because bless him, <laughs> you know, I love him to bits and he's my best friend, but he, he runs a business um, and he has a Salesforce team, quite a large team. And I'm like, have you ever, I mean, he's been in business 25 years, perhaps a bit more than that. I was like, have you ever had a female sales rep? I mean, they're going into electrical wholesalers to sell. And he kind of looked at me like really bizarrely and he knew what was coming. And he was like, no, no. And, he, and then he came up with all these things. He was like, but women don't want to do the job because sometimes you have to stay away from home. And I was like, what, like once a week? He was like, yeah. He was like, you know, there's a lot of traveling in a car and they're going into a male environment in a trade, in a, you know, a trade thing where, where uh, the men are used to like construction workers and electricians. It's just, it's not an invite. And as he was talking, I think he was slowly realizing I'm talking to a woman and my daughter who's in construction <laughs> and, and it's that the realization started to kick in. And then um, about six months later, he employed a head of his sales team who was a female and he was so ha- I think he was like the happiest just to come to me and say oh you know what I've, I've employed um head of the sales team as a woman I was like brilliant I was like you know yeah exactly and and I, I wonder how much I don't know I, I probably have to ask him this question how much I made him think but you're right if there was yeah. a quota that said you need to eat. It's, it's putting the thought into their, into the minds and saying, yeah. think about it and change. Like you say, it is the job description, um, led towards, you know, um, men, which yeah. it probably is. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the only way we are going to change. So I think, yeah, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I just feel like somebody, government politicians need to implement it across the board so not just i see a lot of the larger construction companies implementing it um on their own but like i say it is just not going to filter down to the small ones unless uh, it's written in black and white yeah i mean the the, the, kind of the statistics are everywhere really there's more ceos of FTSE 100 companies called john than there are women (laughs) so you know we need to so that 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 just needs to stop and the only way i i think the kind of the the quickest way of doing that is just is quotas and people will go oh because there was some negativity from from some women when we were talking about it so oh no we'll look like we're getting a job just because we're women it's like well you're not they're not going to put yeah someone like me as a structural engineer on a job because i'm not qualified yeah but there are tons of women that are qualified to do that. Yeah. So why not just say, right, your next uh, opportunity that comes up or the next guy that leaves that job, you need to replace it with a woman. Yeah. 
you know, because they're out, they're out there. And we're never going to get anywhere. We're still going to be talking in, in, you know, 30, 40, 50 years time about the, the gender pay gap and the equal pay disparity. Um, and, you know, FTSE 100 CEOs called John. Yeah. If, if we don't actually just force the change. Yeah. And, and, and thing that kind of gets my back up is when, um, you talk to women and, in, I think there was a, a a woman there that was chatting to me about the very supportive guys in her company, and I'm, I said, yeah, I completely get that, but you cannot have someone who's in charge of employing women and supporting women and heading up a kind of like women in construction that is a white middle class man <laughs> or grey haired, because and 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 they, I, she was discussing with me that you know the support's there for them. I'm like, great. I said, but if I worked for a company. And the person in charge of looking after women within that company um, was, you know, a white male or, you know, a male. Let's just put that out there. And someone had said something massively inappropriate to me on site. Uh, I would feel massively uncomfortable going to say, by the way, Rob down the road just said X, Y, Z to me. Because yeah. they are very sensitive subjects and that kind of infuriates me a little bit. It's good that they're there to support, but also it's like they are still in charge. Yeah, and I, it's because um, they've never experienced it. And so and so why would they? So they don't really have that, um, that, that depth of understanding of the issues. And, they, you know, there was someone doing a talk on microaggressions at the uh, at conference and it's like, we just see it every day and we experience it every day. And you kind of talk to, to blokes about it and then it's like, well, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. Or I didn't see that or I didn't hear that. It's just like, well, no, you, you, why would you? Yeah. Why would you have seen it? Because it, you just don't think it's a thing. You know, the whole um, Harvey Weinstein thing where people yeah. were going, oh, yeah, horrible rapist. And I was just like, but it's not. It's not just one or two bad apples. <laughs> yeah. This happens every day of our lives. You know, something, someone is inadvertently, I'm going to just say that, uh, sexist mm-hmm. or treats you in a way that's that's different or like if I get introduced at meetings, you know, I get right, raised eyebrows <laughs> because they don't expect me to be there talking about IT, talking about something technical. And it's stuff like that. It's just like, why, why would someone ever see that so they don't understand the depth and the breadth of the issues and so yeah it's always disappointing to hear that you know there's a department for women and it's run by a man yeah it just seems really odd Howdy, folks. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. I just want to say thanks for listening. And if you did want to support the podcast, then you may consider heading over to a Patreon account where for less than the price of a coffee a month, you can get yourself some extra goodies from this super, super podcast. And you will also be supporting the podcast for future episodes. Thanks for listening. Let's talk about that because I think that's one of the discussions we had in um, how people react to you on site and in meetings. Mm. And I said that, you know, in the past, I have been asked if I was the apprentice or the cleaner mm. or if I was if, or if I was lost, um, <laughs> which is a good one. 
because um, you can't read maps either, yeah so and, and I've always lost, yeah. yeah and I've got a high vis and a hard hat and, and boots <laughs> in my office just for you know just for show yeah. <laughs> you're you're at uh, it, the company you, do you own the company yeah yeah so it's your company you, yeah. you know what's happening it's your passion you've built this thing up you've got to the level that you've got because you've worked incredibly hard and you, what kind of things have you experienced in meetings like the raised eyebrows is that the worst or is there more oh just which one to start with I think <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean yeah you get the microaggressions of of men asking you to make tea because they think you're there or to take minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and you're the government advisor <laughs> in the meeting that's there to assess their work. And you're like, this is going to be fun, isn't it? Well, fun for me. So you get stuff like that. There was one guy on site and I had like four meetings with him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't look at me. He just, I, he just wouldn't look at me. It was really odd. He would, he would ask questions and I knew that you, they were kind of directed at me, so I'd answer them. But it was absolutely bizarre that you just would not make any eye contact with me. Um, <laughs> then you kind of get men sitting next to you, and I'd, I would say something. And then they would say, yeah, but the thing is, and then repeat verbatim what I just said. Yeah, oh, I love that everybody one. Everybody nodding and smiling. <laughs> so what I just said then, is that what we're going to do? Great. Um I've had, you know, men take credit for my work, uh, trying to write me out of history, those sorts of things. Uh, but yeah. I, I think, I mean, unfortunately, I've had a couple of really bad situations. And I was in a in a meeting with about 10 people and there were two civil servants in the meeting. And um, it was for a school and they were having some of their buildings demolished and rebuilt. And whoever had done the feasibility study for that had missed off a couple of the buildings on site that were staying. And then, so from our point of view on the ICT, it's really important that we, we've got to reconnect those buildings back to the new building that we're, we're putting up. Yes. So it's really important that we know that those buildings are there because otherwise you're not going to have any IT in those buildings. Yeah. So I, I've been pointing this out for about literally a year, pointing out that whoever had done that had mislabeled some of the buildings and I had missed some out when I'd done a site walk around it was really obvious that there were a couple of classrooms sat there that didn't have a label <laughs> so I've been pointing it out because it was causing huge amounts of confusion and um so it finally got to a meeting and I said look you know it's been missed so I'm just saying that we also need to kind of have funding to reconnect those buildings mm-hmm. and I wasn't blaming anyone I certainly no one in that room was to blame for, for that error. Um, but the two civil servants, I think they took it very personally. Right. And they both blew their stack. I mean, they were, I'm going to say screaming. Really? Was the level of, of volume at me, finger jabbing. Oh, God. Telling me I was wrong. I didn't know what I was talking about. And then kind of went on and I don't want to hear you talk for the rest of the meeting. So literally trying to silence me. And I'm like, okay, um, you know, I don't want to hear from you. I want to hear from him. He's the guy sat next to me, the, the project manager. And I was like, right, but this is an ICT meeting and I'm the ICT advisor to the builder. So you're going to have to listen to me. And, you know, I did the old, if you don't calm down, I'm leaving. Yeah. It's so, so disrespectful. Oh, God, honestly, the woman next to me 
she was she was she was kind of like quietly going nuts because she said she said to me afterwards i have never heard anyone speak to someone else in a meeting like that before she said it was it was just i mean they were trying to bully me yeah and you know because i was pointing out there was a mistake and it was they don't sometimes some men don't like women pointing out to them and it's kind of that's really difficult when you are the expert in that area yeah and it's it's a technical field and you're trying to you know tell people stuff sometimes stuff that they don't want to hear um so that's kind of one of the learning curves as well is uh, is learning how to deal with that but that's also one of the benefits of having been a teacher because you can be quick-witted and uh calm in those or calm-ish in those situations because you know you've seen it all with kids and they were actually like kids and it was like it was embarrassing for them but um Mm. i want to say i'm 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 shocked but i'm not because i've i've been in a very similar experience but we from my perspective it was with um a manager who well had lots of issues and I don't like you you obviously um are representing yourself and your company I was working for a company and it was a colleague and and I I go in when I get angry and if there's a a situation like that that occurs I had the finger pointing etc I go the opposite way I go into I'm gonna piss you off mode and I I laugh And and I do use humour, but I'm guessing you kind of have to try and keep um, what's the word like the ultimate professionalism to a certain extent. At times, I mean, it was a, that was a real struggle, and I probably said some stuff that I shouldn't have done. But then I was like, you know, seriously, they just were so aggressive. Yeah, that I was kind of, you know. What is what is going on here? What is what is their issue? Um, and it is difficult, and you, it, it is upsetting, and you do, you know, afterwards. I mean, it's, you know, it's like an assault. It's a verbal, it's a, it's a verbal yeah, assault. It's, it's, a, just, it's a personal attack. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, it's it's unnecessary, and it's. Uh, but again, it comes back to that visibility of women. In, in you know if they're used to seeing women more they're used to understanding that well it's not acceptable with anybody man or woman but yeah. um yeah they can they can be a bit kind of bullying sometimes i think and that's not it's not very nice but it's infrequent mercifully yeah and, and it is that but that small percentage can have a massive impact so when you chat to i know we heard from women at the um summit and women leave the industry and it's not, yeah. it, you know, it, it doesn't have to be one incident. It It's like we've discussed before. It was Veronica that gave the speech on, I'm hoping to get her on the podcast later on in the series, but she talks about the microaggressions. Yeah. The, the microaggressions build up over time. It's the little things that are said, but then these, these big things that happen, like that happen to you, you, they stay with you and they do have an effect. And, and I think a lot of people, a lot of the people that would be listening to this podcast would have experienced similar situations. And until the change happens where we do have more women sat at the table, what advice would you give to someone that's, you know, how did you bounce back from it? How did you, you know, not take it personal and think this is it, I'm going to quit. What's kind of like a survival tip? I, I guess reframing it. So I was I was confident that I was correct in what I was saying. I was confident that I'd said it 
in a correct manner and that I was, you know, respectful and professional. Um, I, it's really tricky. I mean, you put things in place just in case they're at your next meeting. Yeah. You know, and it's really stupid, but it's stuff like, uh, are there other witnesses there? You know, should I record a meeting just in case they kick off again? Yeah. Um, you know, things like that, but, and reporting it reporting it to line managers and things like that. I would, I would always encourage women to do that as well because it is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, make notes about the incident immediately afterwards. Put down how it made you feel. You know, I mean, because it was... It could have been hugely embarrassing for me mm-hmm. because I was being screamed at in a meeting. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's, that's harassment. That's not... That's not how it should be. Luckily, they made such fools of themselves. I think everybody thought they were complete idiots, which was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly recording it. Not. It's just not accepting it. Not letting people. And I, I think as I get older and getting better, just going. I'm sorry. What? Yeah. <laughs> I think we discussed this. I think you know it is yeah. hard for the young twenty somethings. They don't feel like they have the authority or the experience yeah. to say something, and it's actually realizing yes you do have have that experience um and and it, putting aside what experience you have on a job it's nothing to do with that it's just down to being treated right um and being able to like you say tell someone but yeah, yeah. I, the older I get now I'm just you know if someone if someone says something sometimes I don't even process it my my mouth and my tongue just go straight off I'm like <laughs> Yeah. fire it straight back and I'm like bang you're gonna you know you're gonna before you go any further and this does get into a situation where you know it does affect me I'm gonna I'm gonna stop it here but it is hard it's and it takes yeah. you know years I'm I'm 12 13 years in and and yeah it, it is difficult saying I, I, there's no straight answer but what you've said there I'm sure is going to be massively helpful to to the listeners yeah, just not not accepting it. That's the only way it's going to go away for for all of us. Yes, yeah. it's not putting up with it. So when someone sat next to me repeats what I just said, you can use humour if you feel comfortable doing that. I don't see why you necessarily should do. Yeah. But um, you know, let's all be a bit less British about being polite in those situations and just yeah. saying, you know, I kind of went, oh, you mean exactly what I just said? <laughs> oh, okay. You know, because you can. That's a you know, and it just stopped him doing it. Because <laughs> he'd been doing it for, like, a, a good half an hour for me, so I was like, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, what a good idea. If only I had just thought of that slash said it it's almost, seconds ago. It's almost like, I've, and this is why I've written down so many experiences of that over the 12 years in a little book, because... I feel like there's a camera sometimes on the wall and I'm being set up. I think this yeah. actually cannot be real. This is not That's actually funny. happening right now. I'm sort of, you know, someone's going to jump out of the boardroom office and go, ha, ah, jokes, we're just kidding. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah. Well, that never happens. It was, a, it was astonishing, his ability, though, to rattle off word for word what I just said. I mean, in a way, it's flattering. <laughs> it, was, it was exactly word for word. It was incredible. He was really listening. <laughs> Talking about the whole British thing, because I think, you know, we do hold back. How did you find work situations when you worked abroad? Um, Were the relationships different, harder, easier, different cultures? Yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating, interesting and challenging. So I was working in in Dubai and um, I was an advisor to a large 
government-funded program in schools to improve the IT provision in them in their in their public schools in their state-funded schools basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just the whole experience was just invaluable, really. At, like I said, being able to work with a completely different group of people with diff- different ideas and a different culture. They had lots of people from all over the place, like Lebanon and Egypt, and, and obviously there was a group of us from Europe, the UK predominantly. Um, but just to kind of reset and and how you think about what, what you think about your job and how you do it and the language that you use, and you think you're saying one thing and it's being understood as another thing. So we, always, we were doing a lot of, writing tender documents to go out to IT suppliers um, and it's fascinating the way that you just naturally word stuff here mm-hmm. but because it's going to people uh, where English isn't their first language um, you really have to just say right what am I trying to say here and is what I've written what I'm trying to say you know stuff like that okay. but also dealing with cultural stuff like um they saw the beginning of a meeting time as a suggestion rather than when you should actually turn up <laughs> for a meeting. Right. And uh, project deadlines were, how can I put this politely, flexible. Okay, yeah. So when when you said, oh, great, so can you get that to me for next Tuesday? And they said, yes. Don't ever assume it's going to land on Tuesday. Uh, you're actually selling this to me. I feel like I need to go work wherever <laughs> you were. I don't know how they get anything built. It's just <laughs> astonishing, really. Um, yeah, someone told me once, and I love this. This is the best way to describe it. That um, the, the difference is we don't say what we mean, and they don't mean what they say. Uh, okay. In the nicest, in the nicest way. It's not that they're lying. It's just when because they're dealing with you sort of face-to-face or whatever, and so they can't, they don't want to argue and say, I can't do it for Tuesday. <laughs> I can do it for Thursday. And then you'd go, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, they, they'll just say yes to Tuesday and then not do it. Right, okay. <laughs> I mean, but it takes a while for this to sink in. You're like, why well, is turned up to this meeting? <laughs> And a half an hour later, they try in and they're all on their phones and they all sit through the meeting on phones or, or they nip out every five minutes to go and deal with something. And you're like, OK. Oh, right. And I, th- I, think, I think the kind of head of the team had to sort of say quite early on, that's not how we're going to get anything done here. So yeah. you, you come to a meeting on time, you sit there, your phones are off, um, you know, and you'll deal with other stuff after the meeting. Kind of thing. But so the whole the whole thing was fascinating. Just yeah. and of course we we I was there to try and bring best practice in a large scale procurement. So kind of how we would do it in Europe or in the in the US. And it's totally alien to them. Totally alien because we're all about contracts, service levels, you know, making sure it's above board, open, fair, transparent, you know, you're marked solely on your bid response, that that kind of stuff. Those are the kind of things we're int- introducing to them. And of course that's completely opposite to how they how they would do it yeah hard. they would meet with someone do a deal shake hands sorted <laughs> like the it's, simplicity it's like yeah it's 50 million quid yeah 
for you to give me that stuff. And of course, we rock up and go, right, no, that's not value for money. You know, it's not, you know, to give everybody a chance because someone may have something amazing that you can use and it's cheaper than that. And they were like, what? Well, no, but I've said to that guy now, who's my cousin, that he's going to get, he's going to get the money. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, it was really difficult because we were trying to sort of force a cultural change almost that, um, would you say, I mean, I'm guessing, yeah, there's going to be a huge amount that's cultural, but would you say that they're also a little bit, I'll say this without being insulting, a little bit behind? Or would you say it is cultural? It's, but that's another interesting sort of shift in the perspective, because clearly uh, lots of countries in the Middle East are very, very successful. Mm. Yeah. And so they, they've, they've done this for years and that's how they've done it. And this, it's all about your reputation. So you, you, you know, if you shake someone's hand, you don't let them down yeah. because your reputation shot to pieces. And, you know, is the way that we do it the right way? It, because who are we to say that it is or isn't? And so, it was that's why it was kind of fascinating learning those cultural sensitivities as well about how you just address people and how you ask for stuff and not saying that how they're doing it is wrong but we've been brought on board to do a job and you know etc etc so um and, and it and it works for them yeah you know they've got some of the most amazing buildings in the world it's, it's yeah. It's not like they can't do construction, um, you know, but we were there to make sure they weren't getting ripped off and getting good value for money and stuff. So I think I think that was probably the, the biggest thing that we were able to achieve. Yeah, I, I think it's in, I think anyone in because it's something I wish I'd have done, you know, may even do in the future, but. Chatted to a few engineers that have gone and worked abroad. I mean, I worked alongside an engineer and he took time off actually with a young family and he went to Africa uh, to build a school and he went to lend, you know, a hand and his experience. And <laughs> he said he was really shocked because when he turned up, like everyone was in flip flops. They'd never even seen a hard hat. He put on a hard hat and vest and was like, <laughs> I mean, and they literally looked at him as if, and he said, you know, the drawings were on the back of a, of a fag packet. He was like, yeah, and he, and I was like, oh right, and he was like, everything, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't believe what he was seeing, like how they were constructing things, health and safety, and 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 I said, like, did anyone get injured on the job? He was like, no, and then I was like, all oh, right, and I said, and at the end, he was like, actually, it was really well put together, and I was like, yeah. so it kind of worked for them, and he was like, yeah, he said it wouldn't at all worked over here, but over there it works, and it did work, and and I think it kind of opened your eyes a little. He opened his eyes and by the sounds of it, it opened your eyes to go and experience that. So, yeah, I think a lot of people, um, it would do them good to, to go and experience different cultures. I know I worked, when I worked on yeah. the Nottingham tram, we had a couple of French engineers and my brothers worked alongside uh, one of his best friends is a Polish engineer. And, and it's hilarious because the, his friend said to him, he's like, oh, British engineers, like setting out site engineers are rubbish. And my brother was like, oh, okay, why are we rubbish? And he was like, well, in Poland, we do X, Y, Z. And basically in Poland, by the sounds of things, the job that they do over here, they do 10 times the amount of work. So they actually do an engineer's work, they do a site manager's work, and they do health yeah. and safety. 
And yeah. he was like, you know, we do like I do this X Y. And my brother was like, wow, yeah. And he's like, you know, you guys just do one thing, and you don't even do it that well. And I was like, well, hold on a minute. That's a bit, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a strong viewpoint, but it was interesting. It's always interesting chatting to uh, people that work in different cultures and different countries. It's- it's the diversity of which we spoke earlier, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. just part of that too. People will have a different perspective, a different way of doing it. Um, let's not assume that we do stuff with, that we're, we're the best. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's kind of driven me because I always like learning stuff and making myself better yeah. and just going a little bit further. And, then, and this, you know, this is part of it. It's like, okay, that's interesting that they do it like that. But, you know, like I said, it, it helped me when I was writing tender documents to just really really concentrate on the language, really concentrate on the kind of length of the document, you know, really concentrate on the outcomes that I wanted. And so that was a, a good learning thing for me because it was just dealing with people, like I said, his, uh, English was not their first language. So, but, you know, there may be better ways of doing stuff. So great, happy to learn about it. Um, and I think that enriches us all, really. So oh, whether those people from different countries or women or, you know, LGBT, whatever, yeah. Everybody's going to have a different view and, and make workplaces better. So for anyone looking to get into the industry, whether it be in your sector or just general construction or even teaching, um, but what would you say to someone who wants to enter the industry who's not quite sure, is worried? Um, you know, what are the uber positives for your job and, and the work that you do? I, I would say go for it. You know, if it does, if you don't like it and it doesn't work out, you know, it doesn't matter, go and do something else. Um, I think 99.9% of the people that I meet and that I work with are absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other, you know, 0.1% can just be ignored. Yeah. But I think you'd get that uh, numbers in any industry, to be honest. I, um, and I, I would dearly love to see more women uh, do what I do because there's only about three or four people that I know in the entire country. Ugh. Yeah, three or four women in the entire country that do what I do. So I would really love to see more women doing it, be better represented, you know, reducing toxic masculinity in situations, whether they're on site or in a meeting. Um, and so, I, and also, again, I think that that, that role model thing it you don't have to do anything apart from stand there with a hard hand high vis vest and it can have a huge impact on a girl that's looking out of a classroom window at you yeah um and so i would say yeah go for it there's you know we've all got skills and talents um and it is tough some days but then it's tough in a lot of jobs um but you build up good working relationships with people and everybody's pretty much on the whole very friendly and very nice, despite some of the stories we said earlier. But um, but those are few and far between. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I would I would the construction industry is not going to get better unless women step up and kind of go for the jobs. And I, I know that the construction industry itself needs to extend its table to women. Yeah. And, and be more positive, but then we're kind of back to quotas again. Um, but that Women in Construction conference was, uh, it's, in, it's empowering. Mm-hmm. 
because you're like, oh, it's not just me. There's loads of women doing lots of weird jobs that I've never heard of, and I still don't really know what it is. Um, so that, that's that's great too. And I, what I'd love to see is to have that kind of transferred somehow that empowerment to you know five year old girls that are already being told that they shouldn't be playing with Meccano or whatever. Exactly. Um, and that's that's what I'd love to see. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And I think that's um, that's a perfect way to end the podcast. So anyone out there that feels, well, they will be inspired. It's hard not to be. Please, yeah, just show up. <laughs> just have a go. Yeah. Um, go for it yeah we need you um well thank you so much for being an amazing guest today um i feel like we could chat for hours yes as always i'm sure we will in the future our paths will cross at another construction event and um yeah i just want to say thank you so much for your time appreciate it and thanks for asking me no no not at all uh it's been fascinating and um learning your perspective as well and i will put a link in the description to this podcast to uh, your LinkedIn and any social media in case there are women out there, which I'm sure there are, that want to connect with you and ask you some questions. Yeah, absolutely happy to, uh, like I said, extend the table and help wherever possible. Brilliant. We need more like you. Thanks very much, Rian. And um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Thank you, Andrew. It's been great talking to you again. You too. Take care. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the podcast, folks. Your support means everything. Don't forget to check out the show notes and I'll be back next week.